If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you, and what a great Erev Shabbos it is. All sorts of special and wonderful things happening, all of them today. This Shabbos, a special time. First of all, it's Vayakel. Well, not the last Parsha in the book of Exodus, in the book of Shemot. Sometimes it is. This year it's not. It's the penultimate. It's the second last Parsha. We'll talk about that soon. It's Shabbos Mavarch, and we are going to bless the new month of Adar Sheni, the second Adar. A very important, exciting, uplifting time that we'll talk about soon. It's also Parshat Shkalim, a very special Shabbos when we take out a second Sefer Torah, a second Torah scroll in which we read the portion of how Moshe is told by God that when it's time to count the Jewish people, you don't count them directly, but instead each and every single Jew has to give the half coin and then those half coins are counted. And in that way, we know the number when the census is taken, we know the number of Jews within the community. And all these three things come together. This Shabbos, a very special time. As I said, this is Shabbos Mavarch, and we're going to bless the new month of Adar Sheni. This coming Thursday and Friday, it's going to be Rosh Chodesh Adar Sheni. And what a special month it is. After all, we know this year is a leap year. We have the extra month of Adar that we're celebrating right now. And we're moving from the extra month, the first Adar, into the second Adar. And as I've told you consistently throughout the last few weeks, what is Adar so special? It is the month of Marvin Besimcha. We're obligated to increase our joy to unbelievably high levels. And joy, as I explained, is not only the obvious external expression of excitement and happiness, but an internal type of clarity. And when we move from the first Adar into the second Adar, this becomes even greater. The intensity of joy becomes far more powerful. This is what this Shabbos is all about. We are blessing the second Adar, the second Adar which contains the festival of Purim, the festival of Shushan Purim. This is the time that we celebrate the incredible miracle of what happened to the Jewish people during the time of Mordechai and Esther when the evil Haman tried to convince Achashverosh that he wanted to destroy the Jewish people, all the Jewish people in one day, and miraculously they were saved. This is a festival of festivals, festival of extreme and total joy. We celebrate in all sorts of ways. This is the month of Adar Sheni, and when we move from this month, the first Adar, into the second Adar, when we move from one category of joy into another category of joy, the joy becomes far more intense. And this is something that we have to learn to take advantage of. This is something which becomes extremely important in our lives. Now is a time, as we look around the world, we realize now is a time that we need the divine input of joy. There is so much difficulty in the world. There is so much confusion in the world. There is so much uncertainty in the world. There is saber rattling. There are wars. There is illness. There is tremendous amount of loneliness. There is tremendous amount of depression. What this world needs is a tremendous inflow of simcha, of joy. 
what greater joy can there be moving from Adar Rishon to Adar Sheni from the first to the second month of Adar? And how do we do this? First of all, in Shul tomorrow, we bless the new month of Adar Sheni. We bless the second month of Adar. What does that mean? We invoke God's blessing. We invoke the divine energy that allows for the flow of this incredible joy. What does it mean as far as we are concerned? We have to somehow bring out from within ourselves that inner dimension of joy that each and every one of us possesses. It's not something which is distant from us, and it's not something which is foreign to us. It is part and parcel of our makeup. Yes, we can choose to, God forbid, be in a state of unhappiness or in a state of happiness. The circumstances of life are often very challenging. However, the way that we approach those circumstances is either through a negative, unhappy, consideration or through a positive joyous dimension and this is something that we have to understand we possess the divine energy of joy within ourselves and when we are in a month not only a month but two months of marbin basimcha of added intense joy it's so much easier to express that incredible power that we possess to somehow take it from within ourselves and bring it to a level of consciousness, into our minds, into our hearts, into our actions. How do we do this? We do this in so many different ways. First of all, the idea of Simcha Shal Mitzvah. We begin to perform God's commandments with a different type of attitude, with a recognition that God allows us to fulfill His commandments in His world. That in itself should give us a feeling of joy. We reach out to others. We try to somehow bring a degree of joy to others. Through the study of God's Torah, it brings clarity into our minds. This is this Shabbos. We bless the new month of Adar Sheni. We move from a situation of one joy to another. This is a time of incredible opportunity of bringing out the infinite dimension of joy that each and every one of us possesses and bring it to a level not only of mental consciousness or even emotional consciousness, but practical consciousness that we are able to do something with it. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. And as I mentioned earlier on, this is Shabbos that we move from one dimension of joy to another and higher dimension of joy. But the Parsha itself is Vayakel. And Vayakel is almost a verbatim repetition of that which we learned earlier on in Truma, how the Jewish people brought the various gifts, the various donations in order to build the Mishkan. Yet in Vayakel, we talk about the implementation of actually bringing into being the great vision, the great promise the great fulfillment of creating a dwelling place for God. But as we take a look at the opening words of the Parsha, we begin to ask a question, isn't it a little bit difficult for us to understand why it is that there is some difference and some difficulty in the opening words? It begins with the words, Vayakal Moshe et kol adas Yisrael, and Moshe gathered all the Jewish people together. Why is it necessary for him to gather? After all, he spoke to the Jewish people many, many times. He gave them instructions from God many, many times. He delivered the 
instructions that God gave him, the commandments, etc., etc. Why, particularly here, we emphasize that Moshe actually gathered the Jewish people together. Why is it necessary to stress the point that bringing about an assembly, bringing about this unity was absolutely necessary? And as we go on with the Pesach, it says, these are, these are the things that God instructed in order for you to do them. And when we take a look, what things are they? He simply says, six days of the week you shall work, and on the seventh day it shall be a day of holiness. You shall not work, and God forbid if you do, you will be punished. We only talk about one thing, and that is the observance of Shabbat, that on Shabbat you may not work. Why is it necessary, or why does the Torah speak about Eilah Hadvarim, these are the things, plural, when it would appear that the Torah speaks only about one thing. Later on, he begins to speak about a great many things, the donations, the contributions, that which the Jewish people gave, all the wonderful things, the gold, the silver, the copper, the precious gems, the wonderful fabrics, etc., etc. But here, in the opening paragraph, we speak about one thing, why does the Torah speak about Elahad Varim, the plural, the many things? And this is why we have to step back for a moment and think about what in fact is Moshe saying, both in terms of context, both in terms of time and place, what is he actually saying? And our commentaries point out, when did this happen? When did he bring the Jewish people together? This was the day after Yom Kippur the day that he came down to the Jewish people with the second set of Luchot. And why was it necessary to have the second set of Luchot? Because as we remember tragically, the first set of Luchot, the tablets, the Ten Commandments, were broken. And why were they broken? Because when Moshe came down from heaven for the first time, what did he see? The Jewish people were dancing around the golden calf, a terrible sin. So soon after, experiencing God's revelation at Sinai, the Jewish people are dancing around the golden calf. God became furious, and God told Moshe, descend from the mountain, for your people have sinned. Of course God became furious. After all, God gave the Jewish people the Torah. Great revelation. All of creation witnesses this moment when heaven and earth come together. The great moment of the unification of all of creation. And what do the Jewish people do a few weeks later, in a moment of doubt, build a golden calf? Moshe comes down, he's incensed. He takes the holy tablets, the luchot, that contain the miraculous Ten Commandments, and he throws them from his hands, he shatters them. And God wants to destroy the Jewish people, but Moshe says no. He ascends to heaven again. And he pleads with God again and again and again, as we read in last week's parsha. And what does he achieve with the pleas? As a devoted leader, he achieves tremendous, tremendous atonement for the Jewish people. What does he say to God? If you destroy them, take me out of your book. As their leader, I am responsible to ensure that you will forgive them. And you think to yourself, how can one be forgiven for such a terrible sin? The golden calf. And yet Moshe brings out from God this incredible, incredible gift. The 13 levels 
of divine compassion. Tremendous blessings again and again and again. Instead of God being angry at the end, Moshe is able to bring out from God incredible levels of blessing, atonement, and forgiveness. And this is the day after Yom Kippur. He comes down. And what does he tell the Jewish people? He comes with a message from God that God says he will forgive you and he will allow you to build the Mishkan. He will allow you to build a dwelling place for him. He will allow you to reconnect with him on a positive and internal, eternal level. This is what Moshe tells the Jewish people. But he says there are a number of requirements. And this is how the portion begins. And what are those requirements? The requirements are as follows. First of all, Vayakel. Moshe says in order to achieve, to receive this gift from God, this incredible gift of atonement, this incredible gift of forgiveness, in order to be worthy of something like that, there is something that you, the community, the people have to do. And what is it that you have to do? Vayakel. You have to create within yourselves a sense of unity. You cannot be a people that are torn apart with petty, petty fribbles or even great fribbles. You have to work bringing yourselves together. For those who study the Tanya on a daily basis will know that this week we started learning the 32nd chapter of Tanya where we speak about the incredible unity when we look at each other and recognize that each and every one of us possesses an Ashama, a soul. And we look beyond the external facade of the body and we recognize the essence of each and every one of us. There is a soul which binds us together. Vayak el says the only way that we can survive all these difficulties, material and spiritual, the only way that we can receive atonement from God, the only way that we can be worthy of forgiveness in the truest sense of the word, is not only if we sit back and say, give it to us, God, but we have to do something. And what is it we have to do? The first thing that we have to do is to create a sense of unity and to recognize that fragmentation is something which is disastrous. Fragmentation is something which brings about a situation which won't allow for true atonement, which won't allow for true forgiveness. If we can't bring about a state of forgiveness with each other, how can we expect God to forgive us for things that we do? We have to bring about, forgiveness is not only saying I'm sorry, forgiveness is bringing about a state of unity from one to another. And when God sees that we create a culture of unity within ourselves, then he responds by bringing about a tremendous state of forgiveness between him and us, a sense of true unity from God to us. That's the first thing Moshe says. What's the second thing he says? He doesn't say right away, observe Shabbos. The second thing he says is six days of the week you shall work. There's a world that God created, and that world has to be taken care of. And that world has to be handled and worked at properly. We don't sit around for six days and simply wait for Shabbos. For six days, we are obligated to work the world and to bring about a situation that we create vessels so that when Shabbos comes, we are able to receive that incredible flow 
of the Shabbos energy into the vessels that we have created. Who worked for six days and then rested on Shabbos? Who was the first to show us the ultimate model, the ultimate example of how to deal with work and rest in the truest sense of the word? It was God himself. In the beginning of Bereshus, in the beginning of Genesis, each and every single day, God creates something else. For six days, so to speak, in the divine sense of the word, God worked. God didn't snap his fingers and bingo, there was a world, and then he rested. Each and every single day, there was divine effort, divine work in order to create the type of world that God wanted. Yes, on the seventh day, it was a day of holiness. It was a day of tremendous spiritual opportunity. But where did that holiness go into? Where did that divine energy go into? Into the vessels of the six days that God created. When we work for six days, and each and every single day, we do the type of work that is necessary for that day. In every sense of the word, then we have created a place for holiness to enter. But if we sit back and do nothing, then all the holiness in the world, where will it go? And this is something which is so important for us to understand, the balance of the six days and Shabbos. God doesn't start by saying, I want you to observe Shabbos and that's it. He says, I want you to work for six days. I want you to understand that I created a world that you have to deal with. You are my partners within creation and you have tremendous obligation to deal with that world, to work the land, to use the physical dimensions of the world correctly. So when Shabbos comes and you can sit back and enjoy the true rest of Shabbos, you can say that I have fulfilled my duty of working the world for six days correctly. I have done the physical, material activity as defined by Torah in the proper sense of the word so that the rest of Shabbos, the holiness of Shabbos, has a place to enter with tremendous tremendous benefit and greatness this is what he says six days you shall work and on the seventh day that is a day that is holy that is a day where god's divine menucha and rest just like god rested on the seventh day so you shall rest on the seventh day but it needs a place for that divine energy to enter and this is something which brings to mind the idea of joy as well. What is the idea of joy? The idea of joy is seeing what you've accomplished. And once you've accomplished it, to see the divine energy that enters into it, whether it's a thing or a relationship. You've worked hard. You've expended your talents, your energy, your ability you've interacted you have created something and then you sit back and you see a blessing flows into that situation that's the six days of work and the seventh day of blessing that's the joy what's joy it's not only singing and dancing of course that's joy as well but beyond that it is tremendous inner joy of accomplishing something, of doing something, of taking those God-given abilities and talents that 
we have and using them correctly and using it to the best of our abilities, of using our time, of using our space, of using the opportunities that God has given us, of using those things that God has presented us with so that we can sit back and allow for the blessing, for the divine energy to enter. That's the idea of joy. And that's why this Shabbos, when we bless the second Hadar, when we read Vayakel, the idea of unity, which is joy, the idea of working properly for six days, which is the joy, the idea of allowing the divine energy of Shabbos to enter into that which we have created, which is joy. That's what's so special. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So as we continue our theme of joy, not only because it is Shabbos Mavorch and we bless the new month of the second Adar, and we see the idea of joy in the Parsha, as I explained earlier on in Vayakel, the idea of unity, working the six days properly, and allowing the blessing of Shabbos to enter into that which we've done. But it's also evident in the second Torah that we take out, and we read the portion of Shikalim. It's the Shabbos of Shikalim. It has a special name. The Shabbos before the month of Adar is always the Parsha of Shikalim when the Jewish people had to give the half coin. And there's something very interesting about that because Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, was one of the greatest people. <laughs> From a Jewish point of view, unbelievable. He understood everything. He knew everything. And there are only a few things that he had difficulty in understanding when it came to the menorah, when it came to understanding what constitutes the new moon. Strangely, one of the things that our sages say he had difficulty in understanding he didn't understand the idea of the half coin until God showed him a symbol, a model of a half coin made out of fire. And the question is asked, I mean, what is so difficult of knowing what a half coin is? In fact, the Torah gives us exact measurements, exact weight, exact value. We know what the half shekel was, how much was it worth, etc., etc. What the difficulty did Moshe have? Moshe understood everything. When it came to the menorah, yes, it was a complicated piece of art. And therefore, he had difficulty, perhaps, in understanding how from one piece of solid gold you had to hammer out this incredible, intricate candelabra, perhaps. When it came to the moon, what constituted the beginning of the new month? Was it only a tiny bit of the new moon or was it a full crescent? Perhaps we can understand the difficulty, but the half coin. What kind of difficulty did Moshe have with the half coin that God had to show him? God had to show him a model of this half coin of fire, and then he understood. And our sages explain as follows. Moshe didn't have difficulty in understanding what a half coin is. He knew full well what a half coin is. Moshe had difficulty in understanding what this half coin actually accomplishes. Because as we read in the portion of the Shekalim, it says... This half coin will be kofir nafsho. It'll bring about atonement for the soul. What Moshe's difficulty was, not so much what a half coin is, but how is it possible that a half coin that each and every single individual is going to contribute will accomplish atonement for the soul? Atonement is an extremely lofty element where God brings about forgiveness, forgiveness, the reunification, of a soul that has sinned and distance 
himself or herself from God. And the idea of teshuvah, of repentance, is complicated, involved to bring about a reunification of this soul with God. And the Torah says, by giving the half coin, this will be a kofar nafsha. This is what a person is able to accomplish, to accomplish the idea of atonement through giving a half coin. Moshe had difficulty with it. So the Rebbe explains, what did God show him? God showed him coin made out of fire, a half coin. What was that all about? God says to Moshe by showing him this particular model, what does the half coin really symbolize? It's made out of fire. You want to reunite with God. You want to achieve atonement, which means bringing about a state of unity with God. There has to be fire. There has to be passion. There has to be a sense of tremendous excitement. You can't sit back and take it easy. You can't sit back and say, well, this is the way I'm going to do it. Just go about your business as you go about your business. In order to have a relationship, a meaningful relationship, an intense relationship, an eternal and internal relationship with God, there has to be passion. And a person must bring out from within himself that dimension of passion to fire. You want to be forgiven? Absolutely. God will forgive each and every one of us for whatever it is that we have to seek forgiveness for. We want to have atonement where our souls are absolutely purified and we reunite with God at the highest possible level. Absolutely. But what we have to do is create a sense of passion in our service toward God. That when we do a mitzvah, there is a tremendous sense of excitement. When we pray, there is an element of fire, an element of warmth, an element of vibrancy. I'm excited about what I'm doing. When we study a word of Torah, it's not only a mental, logical process that I'm going through, but there is a spiritual excitement. I am studying the Word of God, the excitement that goes along with it. And the second thing is a half coin, a profound sense of humility, to know that I am not a complete person and never will be complete on my own. The only way I will be whole is if I recognize that I need the other half to make me whole. And that's God. Any human being who goes through this world and sees him or herself as an absolutely independent, accomplished human being is anything but. A person who understands that he or she is created by God and therefore is dependent upon God. And every step that you take is by divine providence. And you look to God for blessing and for guidance. There is something higher than yourself. Yes, you can achieve incredibly great things. You can bring about tremendously lofty things in this world. But you're only a half. God is the other half. And that makes the whole. This is what God tells Moshe. You're right, Moshe. It's difficult to understand how the half coin can bring about Kofi Nasha to bring about the sense of atonement. But when you tell the people that it has to be with a fire, it has to be with passion, it has to be with excitement, it has to be with drive and with life, and with the fullness of understanding what you're doing is something which is extraordinary, is something which is beyond the normal activities, to work at it 
at prayer, at study, at doing something which is good with a tremendous sense of fulfillment. When you begin to realize that as great as you are, there's something higher than you, something greater than you, something who brought you into being is something that you're totally dependent upon. That sense of humility makes you great, makes you strong, makes you larger than you are. It doesn't make you small. That gives you true independence. That gives you true freedom. That gives you true greatness. And this is why the Shabbos is so special, because each and every one of those elements gives us joy. The joy of the month of Adar on its own. The joy of the Parsha of Ayakel. Unity, six days of work of creating vessels into which we pour the divine energy of Shabbos. And of course, Shkalim, the fire, the passion, the recognition that I'm a partner with God and he is a partner with me. All these things create an intense dimension of joy. So when you are in Shul tomorrow, and please make an effort to go to Shul tomorrow. Please make an effort to go to Shul tomorrow. And listen to the Parsha from the first Torah when they read Vayakhel. And from the second Torah when they read a portion of Shekalim of the half coin. And as I always say, listen to those words that talk to you, that bring something to your heart, to your mind, something that tells you this is a message that's personal, a message that's real. And you'll feel that sense of joy. You'll see that dimension of Simcha. You will celebrate with an altogether different type of greatness. You'll feel it, you'll see it, with Shabbos and with Chodesh.